Welcome to the GW Medical Faculty Associates Podcast. I'm Dr. Mike Smith, and today's topic is migraines. My guest is Dr. John Rothrock. He is the Vice Chair of the Department of Neurology. Dr. Rothrock, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Awesome. So we're going to talk about migraines. Um, I know this is a significant issue for a lot of people. I know some friends of mine that when they get an episode, some of it, some of them can be devastated by this. They can't even go to work. Um, it actually interferes with their everyday life. So this is something that's, a, I think, an important topic, and I'm glad that you're on here. Why, why don't we do this first? Let's just f- first define what a migraine is. I should start by saying first that migraine's a paradox. It's a uh kind of Rodney Dangerfield of medicine that doesn't get much respect, uh, and yet at the same time, it arguably uh, imposes more of a burden on the public health than any other neurologic disorder. And yet, uh, very few people, healthcare providers included, even know how to define it. So it's very simple. The clinical definition of migraine is is a yes answer to the following question. Have you in your lifetime had five or more attacks of unprovoked headache, not Cinco de Mayo, death of tequila headache, but unprovoked headache okay. <laughs> that lasted four to 72 hours was severe enough to significantly inhibit your activities or even prohibit your routine activities and was accompanied by either nausea or light and sound sensitivity or some combination thereof. If the answer is yes, you were one of the 12% of the American population that has active migraine. Wow, 12%. That's a lot higher than I would have expected. Why do you think it is the, the what did you call it, the Rodney Dangerfield of uh, diagnoses in, in medicine? Why, why is that? How come we're not recognizing it? Oh, I, I think the answer to that is very complex and, and probably multifaceted and too complex to go into in a short, with a short answer. But suffice it to say that uh, for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, much less common disorders, um, uh, say multiple sclerosis, um, uh, myasthenia gravis, um, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, receive far more attention than a disorder that is everywhere. You can't go to a cocktail party. You can't go to a ball game without somebody wanting to tell you about their migraine. And if word leaks out that you as a, as a healthcare provider have any interest whatsoever in headache, then you spend the rest of your life trying to hold back the uh, deluge of uh, of headache patients and uh, folks want to tell you about their headaches, but their migraines yeah. in particular. Yeah. So is that so? Does this go for research as well? So you know, migraines are, don't receive the research funding that the other neurological disorders do. That's been the case for a, a, a long time. I, it, it is changing, uh, but it is true that still the vast majority of the money that goes into research in migraine and headache generally comes from the pharmaceutical industry. So they, there's relatively little government money or non-industry uh, money um, devoted to migraine research, much more now than there was before, but not as much. We're about, you know, things are changing. It's a, this week, uh, within the next few days, the next great revolution in migraine will occur in migraine therapeutics. And the first revolution was back in the late 80s uh, with the release of injectable sumatriptan, Imitrex, the first designer drug for migraine, acute migraine treatment, uh, re- FDA approved and released in 1991. And in a few more days, uh, either the 17th or 18th of May, the first of the CGRP antagonist class will be released, uh, Amgen's product, Amovig, for use of, in uh, preventing migraine, the designer drug for preventing migraine. So I've hmm. had the good luck to be serendipitously around with the, the first revolution to assist with that <laughs> and now with the second as well. 
Yeah. Now for the prevention part of it, that's that's pretty good. I definitely want to come back to that. Let's let's talk a little bit more about migraines themselves, though. Are, are I, you you gave a definition, right? And if you answer yes to that, that or you gave a question, and if you answer yes to that question, you, you're you're part of that twelve percent. But how much variability is is there within the migraine world of headaches? Uh, meaning, are there different types? Um, is there something that tends to be more common with people with migraines versus things that aren't so common? Well, I'd, I can tell you as a migraineur myself, and having listened to the stories of tens of thousands of migraine patients, uh, that migraine is a is the Baskin Robbins of headache. I mean, it, it it ranges the headache of migraine ranges all the way from no headache. Uh, you can have a migraine episode with aura only, let's say visual aura, to a commode hugging, uh, head splitting, you know, incapacitating headache, and everything in between including headaches that are indistinguishable from, so, from so-called tension-type headaches. So the clinical phenotype of migraine, even in a given individual, ranges over a, a very wide range and certainly does so from individual to individual. Yeah, so, so in the 1980s, a medication came out that allowed us to treat the acute migraine, and as you said, that was revolutionary. But now we're entering into a different, a different phase now, a different revolution, if you, you will, which sounds like the world of prevention, which is always the key, right? Preventing diseases is a much cheaper, easier way than actually treating something. So tell us about what's, as you said, what's coming up in maybe a couple of days to prevent headache. Or migraine headache. Well, it's uh, you know quite frankly the you know the patients are always interesting, but the stories that you hear are pretty much the same. Migraine diagnosis. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to be a, a migraine diagnostician or a headache diagnostician. It's it's not it's not very compelling or interesting to me, quite frankly, except for the individual patients themselves. You know, neurology itself is is fascinating. It's a uh, you know detective uh, story one one after another. But the migraine's not a particularly bewildering or difficult or complex diagnostic entity. So what's cool about migraine is the research and figuring out part of the research is figuring out the circuitry that runs migraine. And we've done a good job of that in the last uh, three decades. And now we we have a, a very good idea of what biologically causes migraine. And now we're beginning to to develop therapies to fit that circuit diagram, if you will. And the CGRP antagonists are highly selective, highly specific um, monoclonal antibodies that are directed against a either a, a protein or a receptor to that protein that's integral to completing the migraine circuitry. And by targeting that uh, that one specific spot in the migraine circuitry. You can reestat down the circuit and get a a significant improvement in the uh, migraine patient's headache burden. So it's it's yeah. that's so, what's really that's what floats my boat. You know, it's the you, know, you hear a you go to a headache clinic and you see ten or fifteen or twenty patients and you you may help those people hopefully, but you develop a they help to develop a drug like um, Amavig, a CGRP antagonist, and you help millions of people. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about the monoclonal antibody therapy, just so my audience really understands what's going on here. So you've so there, there's a drug now that that is an antibody that is able to bind to either a protein or a protein receptor that's important for that cascade that eventually ends up as a migraine headache. Um, so far in the research, has has this proved? Has this Antibody, which blocks that circuitry, as you say, has, has this proven to be very effective in preventing 
uh, migraines, or what? What is what has the outcome been so far in the research? Well, I can only I can speak from my own seven years of experience with this particular uh, antagonist and some of the others as well. This this antibody, and but more important than my experience is the what the FDA thinks and the the clinical trials data have shown this particular antibody, um, the Amgen product, Amovig, to be uh, very safe, very well tolerated by patients, and very effective, including uh, effective in patients who have the most severe form of migraine, which is chronic migraine, who have failed everything else, including the best therapy we have for it, the only FDA uh, treatment currently approved for uh, treatment of um, chronic migraine specifically, and that's Botox. So you, we're suddenly now going to add a new therapy that wipes, you know, Botox takes about 40 to 50% of the chronic migraine population and puts them, makes them headache-free or nearly so. Now we're going to add another hopefully 20 30% to that number and make further great inroads into the chronic migraine population. So the, the, the whole, the general idea is you take a you take a protein that you know is is key to the circuitry of migraine, calcitonin gene-related peptide or protein, CGRP, and you find the receptor that likes to hit in the brain uh, or in the, the covering of the brain, the meninges, and you develop a mouse antibody uh, to that receptor, and then you, quote, humanize that uh, antibody to make it uh, less likely to to trigger off the human's immune response, the patient's immune response, and then you, you give it. Uh, in the case of the Amgen product, you give it intra, intra, sorry, subcutaneously once a month. Also, as the months go by and the other companies' products come to market, we'll also have an oral flavor that you take every day, a pill you take every day from Allergan. We'll have a uh, couple more subcutaneous products, and then one from Alder will have an intravenous product, where, which you give every, every three months for migraine prevention. Well, so it's really nice. going to change the game and untether the patient from the provider, if you will, and, and empower the patient much in the same way that injectable simitriptan empowers the patient for treatment of acute headache. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to GW Medical Faculty Associates Podcast. For more information, go to gwdocs.com. That's gwdocs.com. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.